Hello to you. This is Pastor Philip Bramblett at Furnace Creek Baptist Church, and you're listening to the podcast Grit, What You Need to Revitalize Your Church. And uh, we've been talking about church-killing sins as we talk about the uh, issue of repentance in the church. You know, to, to revitalize your church, you need God, repentance, instruction, and time. That's uh, the acronym for GRIT. And uh, as we talk about repentance, we've been talking about church, uh, sins that will just kill a church if they're not dealt with. And of course, there's always going to be sin in the church because we are sinners. And so there's always going to be some issues <clears throat> and some sin issues, but uh, they need to be addressed in some way. And we need to be uh, teaching and modeling in, re- in these uh, areas so that they don't uh, cause permanent damage to the church and they don't just take the church down. And so a lot of these sins are sins of omission, things that churches just don't do that we're supposed to do. It's a lack of obedience in various areas. And in this episode, I want to talk about lack of reconciliation, lack of reconciliation in the church. Unhealthy churches, dying churches are commonly characterized by conflict, by infighting, and by church splits. You know, that's, that's the history of a lot of churches. Uh, Brian Croft, who's, whose book, uh, Biblical Church Revitalization, I've recommended, uh, he wrote, quote, if there are two primary marks of churches needing revitalization, it would arguably be the absence of spiritual life and the presence of hostile division among those in the church. Either of these realities can single-handedly kill a church over time, but when both are present, death is imminent, end quote. So one of the, the two primary marks of a church needing revitalization, he identifies as the presence of hostile division among those in the church. In an unhealthy church, these conflicts and divisions are rarely dealt with in a biblical or gospel-based manner, uh, one that seeks true reconciliation through repentance and forgiveness. Instead, people either physically leave the church, right? They might just say, yeah, I'm leaving, and people abandon the church. Or they might emotionally leave the church. You know, they pull back from all service. Maybe they, they stop coming to certain services. They just come less frequently. They, they stop serving. They're just emotionally pulled back from uh, the church. Or they may punish one another when there's conflict in the church. They, they can punish one another in kind of a, a passive or an aggressive manner. They can do it by giving the cold shoulder, you know, just avoiding people, not speaking to someone you know, giving nasty looks, <laughs> or do it by bad-mouthing, slander, talking bad about people uh, behind their backs. Um, or they might respond to conflict by just sweeping it under the rug. This happens a lot. Just sweep it under the rug. Act like nothing happened, and everything is fine. The problem is they're still holding a reservoir of resentment within them that might blow up at any time, right? People have these sudden blow-ups, And it seems to come out of nowhere, and yet it's because they've been building up resentment over time, and they've never dealt with it in a biblical way. They've never gone to someone to talk it it through and to seek uh, 
reconciliation and forgiveness. Very common problem. At my church, um, we had, for example, uh, two separate women's Sunday school classes, and we didn't have two different women's classes because we needed them. We, you know, it's not because we had so many women. It's because there were certain women who just couldn't get along, and they they literally couldn't be in the same class. They couldn't be in the same group together. Now, I'm telling you this because you know they've they've passed on at this point. They're not around anymore. So I'm not not revealing anything uh, that I shouldn't. But I'm just being honest. This kind of thing happens. Uh, you know, if these ladies were in the same group, they would inevitably start bickering over some non-gospel, non-essential issue. And then they'd all claim to be victims of each other. And that kind of dynamic can develop in a church, especially when you've got longtime members who are entrenched and they, they're very comfortable and devoted to the institution that they're part of. And so they're not going to leave. You know, this is my church. And yet they've created this dynamic where there's conflict and resentment and, and you know, low-grade anger, um, and they won't deal with it. So, you know, that's, this is a common problem in churches. And one of the issues is that you come in as the pastor, uh, especially if you're a new pastor, and, and you will get sucked into that dynamic. You know, they'll end up treating you the same way that they treat one another. Um, they might be real friendly at first, but as soon as you cross them, as soon as you do something they don't like, um, instead of coming to you and talking to you about it and coming with a, a gentle spirit or a humble spirit, um, they'll just build up a pool of resentment, which will, will blow up at some point. So, you know, conflict in the church can be part of the long-term culture. I know it was here at, at this church. Um, Furnace Creek was known in the community, unfortunately. You know, one of the common things of, of unhealthy churches is a bad reputation in the community. It's one of the common factors. And so we had, uh, our church had a, a reputation of being conflict prone and of being a church that chewed up and spat out pastors. And uh, one result is I'm, I really can't invite any former pastors back for speaking engagements because they all left under acrimonious circumstances. Uh, and I meet a lot of former members throughout town. A lot of people used to come to this church, used to be members, but they'll never come back because they experienced conflict and it was never dealt with in a biblical way. They never, uh, they never sought or achieved reconciliation. And it's a sad thing because, and it's a bad testimony because the gospel itself is about reconciliation. Uh, and so the solution to this problem is, again, to focus relentlessly on the gospel of Christ, specifically as it applies to the issue of confession and forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says that we are to be forgiving one another <clears throat> as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So the way that God has forgiven us in Jesus Christ is the pattern and power for our forgiving one another. The Apostle Paul taught in that same chapter, uh, or earlier in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, uh, verse 13 and 14, the Apostle said, But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, 
and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Ephesians 2. Now that's talking, you know, specifically about the historical redemptive um, union of Jew and Gentile. The dividing wall of hostility is between Jew and Gentile in that passage. But I, I think it's legitimate to apply that concept to any relationships in the church. We are all brought together in one in Jesus Christ. We are told in Ephesians that because of what Christ has done, there's, we are one body, one people, one temple of the Lord, one family of believers reconciled to God and to each other. So the gospel doesn't just reconcile us individually to God. It also reconciles us to one another, to other believers. And so to fail to seek reconciliation with each other is, is a denial of the reality and power of Christ's death and resurrection. To say, uh, Christ reconciled me to God, but I can't be reconciled to you. I'm not going to seek reconciliation to my fellow believers. I'm part of the body of Christ, um, but I'm going to be at odds with, with the body, and I'm not even going to seek uh, you know, forgiveness and reconciliation. So it's not just a practical problem. It's not just a relational problem. It is a theological problem. Those who refuse to seek reconciliation in the church are denying the power of the gospel of Christ. And they need to be taught about this, and they need to be confronted about this. It's, it's not acceptable to refuse to pursue reconciliation. Now, that doesn't mean that reconciliation is always achievable in this life. Right? As the Bible says, it takes two to tango. I know that's there somewhere, right? <laughs> that's, that's an interpretive translation of, of what Paul says when he says, as much as depends upon you, live at peace with all men. Right? That actually is in the Bible. At, as much as depends on you, live at peace with all men. And that implies it takes two to tango, right? It implies that there are there that sometimes you will be unable to achieve reconciliation because it doesn't just depend on you there are there are aspects of reconciliation that require the other person to respond but so the issue is not uh whether or not we are always achieving reconciliation in the church but whether we're we're actually pursuing it in a biblical way we have to deal with it as pastors we can't just keep sweeping it under the rug and ignoring it um, we can't just you know, keep trying to kick people out of our church if they don't agree with us. You know, we, there has to be attempts at biblical reconciliation through humble confession and forgiveness. It's perhaps one of the hardest responsibilities that you'll have as a revitalization pastor. Most of us do not like conflict. Hopefully you don't like conflict. <laughs> if you enjoy conflict, uh, you, maybe you shouldn't be a pastor, but uh, yeah, we don't like conflict, but then we naturally shy away from it. We might ignore it, hoping it'll just go away. We might make it clear to the disgruntled person we just want them to go away. But we have a responsibility to address conflicts in wise and patient and biblical ways. And that responsibility remains even if people refuse to be reconciled. Right? Like I said, we're, we're not responsible for the ultimate outcome, but we are responsible for the effort. That effort needs to be made with wisdom. Now, we should, of course, be teaching people about how to deal with inter interpersonal conflicts in the church. 
And we also need to keep seeking further training for ourselves in how to deal with it. Sometimes we need to grow in our own skills and abilities. I can recommend any material from Peacemaker Ministries. You can look that up online, peacemakerministries.org. I recommend them. Or from the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation, otherwise known as CCEF. You can find them online at ccef.org. They have good biblical counseling material. They're God-centered, they're gospel-focused counseling ministries, and their material can help you to grow in dealing with conflict biblically. So look up those if you need further information and training. But then we also need to model to our church what genuine confession and repentance and seeking reconciliation look like. It's one thing to tell them about it and instruct them in it and, and you know give them the commands of Scripture. But unless you're perfect, you yourself will make mistakes and sometimes you'll sin against people in your church. Right? Unless you're one of these sinless pastors, <laughs> you're going to sin against people in your church sometimes. And when that happens, what do you do? Do you sweep it under the rug? Do you just act like it never happened? Yeah. Do you blow up? Do you just punish them in some way? Or do you deal with it biblically? Do you model for them what it looks like to seek reconciliation? There have been a few times when I've had to confess a specific sin to a church member and ask for their forgiveness. One time uh, was for making a false accusation against a member. I should have known better, right? Because when you make assumptions and accusations, you're bound to to, have problems. Instead, you should ask questions, right? Ask, don't assume. Ask, don't accuse. Uh, But... I didn't. I, I did something stupid. I made an accusation. There was a reason for it, but I was wrong. Uh, when they denied the accusation, I immediately went and verified that I was wrong. And then I went straight back to them and I confessed my sin with no no excuses, you know, no equivocating. I, I acknowledged that I was wrong. Uh, you use that explicit language. I was wrong to do this. <clears throat> and I asked them for forgiveness. I hope you can please forgive me for for what I have done. And you need to do those things. Identify the specific sin you've committed, explicitly admit that you were wrong, and explicitly ask for forgiveness. It's not enough just to say, I'm sorry, right? That's, That's not seeking biblical forgiveness. That's not biblical repentance to say that you're sorry. You need to admit you were wrong and ask for forgiveness. And so, you know, I had to do that. And the whole thing took five minutes. Right? It didn't didn't take long. I, I, I committed a sin. I verified I committed the sin. I went straight back and confessed it and asked for forgiveness. Um, but that models reconciliation. You, know, you don't have to be perfect as a pastor, but you do need to have integrity. You do need to practice what you preach. And part of that is, is confessing our own sin and, and being uh, humble with our people. Um, there was another time in a... a committee meeting where I had to confess a, a, a combative attitude that I had for a while. I came into that meeting <laughs> uh, with a combative attitude, and before the meeting ended, I confessed it and humbled myself and asked for people's forgiveness. You don't have to be perfect, but you do need to model prompt repentance and have the integrity to practice what you preach. 
and you're humbling yourself through confessing your own sin and seeking forgiveness is an important way of teaching reconciliation to the church because we teach not just by our words and instruction we have to teach also by our example and be be model models to the sheep right shepherds don't just lead uh, with a stick they they lead by walking in front and actually uh, you know going where the sheep are supposed to go going there first and and showing the sheep the way not just telling them but showing them the way as well we need to do that in regard to reconciliation in the church well i hope something in there is helpful to you and uh look forward to the next episode where we'll talk about the final uh church killing sin that i want to mention uh which is lack of church discipline or tolerance of false teaching and sin in the church Have a good day.